Section 17 of The Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary J. The Aeneid by Virgil. Translated by J. W. McHale. Book Ninth: The Siege of the Trojan Camp. Part 1. And while thus things pass far in the distance, Juno, daughter of Saturn, sent Iris down the sky to gallant Turnus, then haply seated in his forefather Pilumnus's holy forest dell. To him the child of Thomas spoke thus with roseate lips. Turnus, what no god had dared promise to thy prayer, behold, is brought unasked by the circling day. Aeneas hath quitted town and comrades and fleet to seek Evander's throne and Palatine dwelling-place nor is it enough he hath pierced to corythus's utmost cities and is mustering in arms a troop of lydian rustics why hesitate now now is the time to call for a chariot and horses break through all hindrance and seize the bewildered camp she spoke and rose into the sky on poised wings and flashed under the clouds in a long flying bow he knew her and lifting either hand to heaven with his cry pursued her flight iris grace of the sky who hath driven thee down the clouds to me and borne thee to earth whence is this sudden sheen of weather i see the sky parting asunder and the wandering stars in the firmament i follow the high omen whoso thou art that callest me to arms and with these words he drew nigh the wave and caught up water from its brimming eddy making many prayers to the gods and burdening the air with vows and now all the army was advancing on the open plain rich in horses rich in raiment of broidered gold mesippus rules the foremost ranks the sons of tyreus the rear turnus commands the centre even as ganges rising high in silence when his seven streams are still or the rich flood of nile when he ebbs from the plains and is now sunk into his channel on this the teucrians descry a sudden cloud of dark dust gathering and the blackness rising on the plain caicus raises a cry from the mound in front what mass of misty gloom, O citizens, is rolling hitherward! To arms, in haste! Serve out weapons, climb the walls, the enemy approaches! Ho! With mighty clamor the Teucrians pour in through all the gates and fill the works. For so at his departure Aeneas the great captain had enjoined, were aught to chance meanwhile, they should not venture to range their line or trust the plain, but keep their camp and the safety of the entrenched walls. So, though shame and wrath beckon them on to battle, they yet bar the gates and do his bidding and await the foe armed and in shelter of the towers turnus who had flown forward in advance of his tardy column comes up suddenly to the town with a train of twenty chosen cavalry borne on a thracian horse dappled with white and covered by a golden helmet with scarlet plume who will be with me my men to be first on the foe see he cries and sends a javelin spinning into the air to open battle and advances towering on the plain his comrades take up the cry and follow with dreadful din wondering at the teucrian's coward hearts that they issue not on even field nor face them in arms but keep in shelter of the camp hither and thither he rides furiously tracing the walls and seeking entrance where way is none and as a wolf prowling about some crowded sheepfold when beaten sore of winds and rains he howls at the pens by midnight safe beneath their mothers the lambs keep bleeding on he savage and insatiate rages in anger against the flock he cannot reach tired by the long gathering madness for food and the throat unslaked with blood even so the rutulian as he gazes on the walled camp kindles in anger and indignation is hot in his iron frame by what means may he essay entrance 
by what passage hurl the imprisoned Trojans from the rampart and fling them on the plain? Close under the flanking camp lay the fleet, fenced about with mounds in the waters of the river. It he attacks, and calls for fire to his exultant comrades, and eagerly catches a blazing pine-torch in his hand. Then, indeed, they press on, quickened by Turnus's presence, and all the band arm them with black faggots. The heart-fires are plundered, the smoky brand trails a resinous glare, and the fire-god sends cloud of glowing ashes upward. What god, O Muses, guarded the Trojans from the rage of the fire, who repelled the fierce flame from their ships? Tell it, ancient is the assurance thereof, but the fame everlasting. What time Aeneas began to shape his fleet on Phrygian Ida, and prepared to seek the high seas, the Beresintian, they say, the very mother of gods, spoke to high Jove in these words, Grant, O son, to my prayer, what her dearness claims who bore thee, and laid Olympus under thy feet. My pine forest, beloved of me these many years, my grove was on the mountain's crown, whither men bore my holy things, dim with dusky pine and pillared maples. These, when he required a fleet, I gave gladly to the Dardanian. Now fear rings me with sharp distress. Relieve my terrors, and grant a mother's prayers such power that they may yield to no stress of voyaging or of stormy gust. Be birth on our hills their avail. Thus her son in answer, who wheels the starry worlds. O mother, whither callest thou fate? Or what dost thou seek for these of thine? May holes have the right of immortality that were fashioned by mortal hand? And may Aeneas traverse perils secure and insecurity? To what god is power so great given? Nay, but when, their duty done, they shall lie at last in their Azonian haven. From all that have outgone the waves, and borne their Dardanian captain to the fields of Laurentum, will I take their mortal body, and bid them be goddesses of the mighty deep, even as Dodo, the Nereid, and Galatea, when they cut the sea that falls away from their breasts in foam. He ended, and by his brother's Stygian streams, by the banks of the pitchy, black, boiling chasm, he nodded confirmation, and shook all Olympus with his nod. So the promised day was come, and the destinies had fulfilled their due time, when Turnus's injury stirred the mother toward the brands from her holy ships. First then a strange light flashed on all eyes, and a great glory from the dawn seemed to dart over the sky, with the choirs of Ida. Then an awful voice fell through air, filling the Trojan and Rutulian ranks. Disquiet not yourselves, O Teucrians, to guard ships of mine, neither arm your hands. Sooner shall Turnus burn the seas than these holy pines. You, go free, go, goddesses of the sea, the mother bids it, and immediately each ship breaks the bond that held it, as with dipping prows they plunge like dolphins deep into the water. From it again, O oh, wonderful and strange, they rise with maidens' faces in like number, and bear out to sea. The Rutulians stood dumb. Mesippus himself is terror-stricken among his disordered cavalry. Even the stream of Tiber pauses with hoarse murmur, and recoils from sea. But bold Turnus fails not a whit in confidence. Nay, he raises their courage with words. He chides them. On the Trojans are these portents aimed. Jupiter himself hath bereft them of their wanted succor. Nor do they abide Rutulian sword and fire. So are the seas pathless for the Teucrians. Nor is there any hope in flight. They have lost half their world. And we hold the land. And all their thousands, the nations of Italy, are under arms. In no wise am I dismayed by those divine oracles of doom the Phrygians insolently advance. Fate and Venus are satisfied, in that the Trojans have touched our fruitful Ozonian fields. I, too, have my fate in reply to theirs, to put utterly to the sword the guilty nation who have robbed me of my bride. Not the sons of Atreus alone are touched by that pain, nor may my scene I only rise in arms. 
but to have perished once is enough to have sinned once should have been enough in all but utter hatred of the whole of womankind trust in the sundering rampart and the hindrance of their trenches so little between them and death gives thee their courage yet have they not seen troy town the work of neptune's hand sink into fire but you my chosen who of you makes ready to breach their palisade at the sword's point and join my attack on their fluttered camp i have no need of vulcanian arms of a thousand ships to meet the teucrians all etruria may join on with them in alliance nor let them fear the darkness and the cowardly theft of their palladium and the guards cut down on the fortress height nor will we hide ourselves unseen in a horse's belly in daylight and unconcealed are we resolved to girdle their walls with flame not with grecians will i make them think they have to do nor a pelasgic force kept off till the tenth year by hector now since the better part of day is spent for what remains refresh our bodies glad that we have done so well and expect the order of battle meanwhile charge is given to messapus to block the gates with pickets of sentries and encircle the works with watchfires twice seven are chosen to guard the walls with rutulian soldiery but each leads a hundred men crimson plumed and sparkling in gold they spread themselves about and keep alternate watch and lying on the grass drink deep and set brazen boughs atilt the fires glow and the sentinels spend the night awake in games down on this the trojans look forth from the rampart as they hold the height in arms withal in fearful haste they try the gates and lay gangways from bastion to bastion and bring up missiles Nestheus and valiant Serestus speed the work whom Lord Aeneas appointed, should misfortune call, to be rulers of the people and governors of the state. All their battalions, sharing the lot of peril, keep watch along the walls, and take alternate charge of all that requires defense. On the guard at the gate was Nisus, son of Herdicus, most valiant in arms, whom Ida the Huntress had sent in Nisus' company, with a fleet javelin and light arrows, and by his side Aurealis, fairest of all the Aeneidae and wearers of trojan arms showing on his unshaven boy's face the first bloom of youth these two were one in affection and charged in battle together now likewise their common guard kept the gate nisus cries lend the gods this fervor to the soul Aurealis, or does fatal passion become a proper god to each long ere now my soul is restless to begin some great deed of arms and quiet peace delights it not thou seest how confident in fortune the rutulians stand their lights glimmer far apart buried in drunken sleep they have sunk to rest silence stretches all about learn then what doubt what purpose now rises in my spirit people and senate they all cry that aeneas be summoned and men be sent to carry him tidings if they promise what i ask in thy name for to me the glory of the deed is enough methinks i can find beneath yonder hillock a path to the walls of palantium town euryalus stood fixed struck through with high ambition and therewith speaks thus to his fervid friend dost thou shun me then nisus to share thy company in highest deeds shall i send thee alone into so great perils not thus did my warrior father opheltes rear and nurture me amid the argive terror and the agony of troy nor thus have i borne myself by the side while following noble aeneas to his utmost fate here is a spirit yes here that scorns the light of day that deems lightly bought at a life's price that honour to which thou dost aspire to this nisus assuredly i had no such fear of thee no nor could i so may great jupiter or whoso looks on earth with equal eyes restore me to thee triumphant but if haply as thou seest often and often in so forlorn a hope if haply chance or deity sweep me to adverse doom i would have thee survive thine age is worthier to live be there one to commit me duly to earth rescued or ransomed from the battlefield or if fortune deny that to pay me far away the rites of funeral and the grace of a tomb 
neither would i bring such pain on thy poor mother she who singly of many nations hath dared to follow her boy to the end and slights great ancestes city and he in vain dost thou string idle reasons nor does my purpose yield or change its place so soon let us make haste he speaks and rouses the watch they come up and relieve the guard quitting their post he and nisus stride on to seek the prince the rest of living things all over lands were soothing their cares in sleep and their hearts forgot their pain the foremost trojan captains a chosen band held council of state upon the kingdom what should they do or who would now be their messenger to aeneas they stand leaning on their long spears and grasping their shields in mid-level of the camp then nisus and euryalus together pray with quick urgency to be given audience their matter is weighty and will be worth the delay aeolus at once heard their hurried plea and bade nisus speak thereon the son of herdicus hear o people of aeneas with favourable mind nor regard our years in what we offer sunk in sleep and wine the rutulians are silent we have stealthily spied the open ground that lies in the path through the gate next to the sea the line of fires is broken and their smoke rises darkly upwards if you allow us to use the chance towards seeking aeneas and palantium town you will soon descry us here at hand with the spoils of the great slaughter we have dealt nor shall we miss the way we go up the dim valleys we have seen the skirts of the town and learned all the river in continual hunting thereon aged alides sage in council gods of our fathers under whose deity troy ever stands not wholly yet do you purpose to blot out the trojan race when you have brought us young honour and hearts so sure as this so speaking he caught both by shoulder and hand with tears showering down over face and feature what guerdon shall i deem may be given you o men what recompense for these noble deeds first and fairest shall be your reward from the gods in your own conduct and aeneas the good shall speedily repay the rest and ascanius's fresh youth never forget so great a service nay breaks in ascanius i whose sole safety is in my father's return i adjure thee and him o nisus by our great household gods by the tutelar spirit of asaricus and horvesta's sanctuary on your knees i lay all my fortune and trust recall my father give him back to sight all sorrow disappears in his recovery i will give a pair of cups my father took in vanquished arisba wrought in silver and rough with tracery twin tripods and two large talents of gold and an ancient bowl of sidonian dido's giving if it be indeed our lot to possess italy and grasp a conquering sceptre and to assign the spoil thou sawest the horse and armour of turnus as he went all in gold that same horse the shield and the ruddy plume will i reserve from partition thy reward onesus even from now my father will give besides twelve mothers of the choicest beauty and men captives all in their due array above these the space of meadow-land that is now king latinus's own domain thee o noble boy whom mine age follows at a nearer interval even now i welcome to all my heart and embrace as my companion in every fortune no glory shall be sought for my state without thee whether peace or war be in conduct my chiefest trust for deed and word shall be in thee answering whom euryalus speaks thus let but the day never come to prove me degenerate from this daring valour fortune may fall prosperous or adverse but above all thy gifts one thing i ask of thee my poor mother of priam's ancient race whom neither the ilian land nor king ancestes city kept from following me forth her i now leave in ignorance of this danger such as it is and without a farewell because night in thine hand be witness i cannot bear a parent's tears but thou i pray support her want and relieve her loneliness let me take with me this hope in thee i shall go more daringly to every fortune deeply stirred at heart the dardanians shed tears fair Aeolus before them all as the likeness of his own father's love wrung his soul 
Then he speaks thus, Assure thyself all that is due to thy mighty enterprise, for she shall be a mother to me, and only in name failed to be Creusa. Nor slight is the honor reserved for the mother of such a son. What chance soever follow this deed, I swear by this head whereby my father was wont to swear, what I promise to thee on thy prosperous return shall abide the same for thy mother and kindred. So speaks he weeping, and ungirds from his shoulder the sword inlaid with gold, fashioned with marvellous skill by Lycaon of Gnosis, and fitly set in a sheath of ivory. Nestheus gives Nisus the shaggy spoils of a lion's hide. Faithful Elides exchanges his helmet. They advance onward in arms, and as they go all the company of captains, young and old, speed them to the gates with vows. Likewise for fair Iolus, with a man's thought and spirit, beyond his years, gave many messages to be carried to his father. But the breezes shred all asunder, and give them unaccomplished to the clouds. They issue and cross the trenches, and through the shadow of the night seek the fatal camp, themselves and first, to be the death of many a man. All about they see bodies strewn along the grass in drunken sleep, chariots at tilt on the shore, and men lying among their traces and wheels, with their armor by them and their wine. The son of Herdicus began thus, Euryalus, now for daring hands, all invites them, here lies our way. See thou that none raise a hand from behind against us, and keep far-sighted watch. Here will I deal desolation, and make a broad path for thee to follow. So speaks he, and checks his voice. Therewith he drives his sword at lordly Ramnes, who haply on carpets heaped high was drawing the full breath of sleep. A king himself, and King Turnus's best-loved augur, but not all his augury could avert his doom. Three of his household beside him, lying carelessly among their arms, and the armor-bearer and charioteer of Remus go down before him, caught at the horse's feet. Their drooping necks he severs with the sword, then beheads their lord likewise, and leaves the trunks spouting blood. The dark warm gore soaks ground in cushions. Therewithal Lamiris and Lamus, and beautiful young Seranus, who that night had played long and late, and lay with the conquering god heavy on every limb, happy had he played out the night, and carried his game to-day. Even thus an unfed lion riots through full sheepfolds, for the madness of hunger urges him, and champs and rends the fleecy flock that are dumb with fear, and roars with blood-stained mouth. Nor less is the slaughter of Euryalus. He too rages all aflame. An unnamed multitude go down before his path, and Phatus and Herbesus and Rhetus and Abaris unaware. Rhetus awake and seeing all, but he hid in fear behind a great bull, right in whose breast, as he rose by, he plunged the sword all its length, and drew it back heavy with death. He vomits forth the crimson life-blood, and throws up wine mixed with blood in the death agony. The other presses hotly on his stealthy errand, and now bent his way towards Messapus's comrades, where he saw the last flicker of the fires go down, and the horses tethered in order, cropping the grass, when Nisus briefly speaks thus, for he saw him carried away by excess of murderous desire. Let us stop, for unfriendly daylight draws nigh. Vengeance is sated to the full. A path is cut through the enemy. Much they leave behind, men's armor wrought in solid silver, and bowls therewith, and beautiful carpets. Euryalus tears away the decorations of Ramnes, and his sword-belt embossed with gold, a gift which Caedicus, wealthiest of men of old, sends to Remulus of Tiber when plighting friendship far away. He on his deathbed gives them to his grandson for his own. After his death the Rutulians captured them as spoil of war. These he fits on the shoulders, valiant and vain, then puts on Messapus's light helmet with its graceful plumes. They issue from the camp and make for safety. End of section 17